Jin Lee Chun has been president of the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank since it was launched. In 2020, he was elected for a second five-year term at a multilateral that now has 103 sovereign members. Jin's career has included stints in the private and the public sectors. He spent two decades at the finance ministry in Beijing and served as chair of China International Capital Corporation, the country's first joint venture investment bank. Hardworking and thoughtful, a man whose time is valuable, he gives interviews sparingly. Euromoney had the good fortune to spend time talking to Jin just before the bank's annual meeting kicked off in the United Arab Emirates. We discussed the AIIB's commitment to climate financing and private sector financing, adapting to the pandemic, and when he expects a return post-COVID to business as usual. We hope you enjoy it. It's a busy day for you. Your annual meeting kicks off today in the UAE, and it's set to last three days. What are you set to announce, Mr. Jin? I'm going to report to the Board of Governors about what we did over the last year, particularly under the circumstances of the COVID-19 pandemic. And we are also preparing for the uh, uh, COP26. Um, one of our vice president will be attending the Glasgow meeting, and uh, we are working on the joint you know, positions of the multilateral development banks. But I, I would uh, uh, share with the uh, media and also uh, the stakeholders about what we are planning to do uh, moving forward. But uh, I think uh, a very clear message would be given to the outside world that we are fully committed to Paris alignment in our investment. And are there plans in the offing today, set to be announced by the AIIB, that will move you closer to achieving your long-term objectives, Mr. Jin? This is an opportunity for us to formally announce to the world that uh, given the corporate strategy, we are planning to achieve uh, 50% of the uh, project approvals uh, for climate change and mitigation adaptation by 2025 and by 2030. Our financing with the private sector would be up to 50%. And, uh, and, and I think uh, there are also some very specific measures we will discuss uh, with, the, uh, with the stakeholders and shareholders with regard to the way we implement and our strategy. And that, I think, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a very important message. And also, I would uh, report to them about what we did to help the member countries in dealing with the COVID-19 and uh, a crisis recovery, uh, healthcare uh, systems build up, and also vaccine purchase. Your 50% share of climate financing approvals, how will that be achieved? Do you have a step-by-step -step plan to get there? At this stage, our financing for climate mitigation and adaptation already is over 40%. So by 2025, uh, the 50% of the all approvals for climate change is the minimum. 50% is the minimum. It's not, it's the floor. It's not the ceiling. And uh, we are uh, rigorously processing all the project applications and to focus on the projects which have uh, biggest impact on climate change mitigation. So I, I'm, I'm very much confident that we were able to achieve this. How do you know that the climate finance in your financing approvals is entirely ESG approved? 
And as you know, um, the Paris uh, alignment, it will be based on the methodology developed jointly by the multilateral development banks. And, uh, and this methodology is now uh, being worked out and then I think it will be tested and, uh, and implemented. But it's required of all the MDBs who are committed to it. And when we implement uh, the Paris alignment in our co-financing with the private sector, we certainly uh, would uh, uh, implement this with, the, with regard to the uh, part which we finance. So uh, this Paris alignment framework should not be perceived to be anything which would be imposed on our uh, partners. However, I would like to highlight that we prefer to work with the private sector investors who are committed to climate financing and mitigation adaptation. So when we focus on working with the companies which are committed to Paris alignment, I would say this would greatly encourage the private sector investors to pay more attention to ESG. And uh, I would say this is going to be a silent moral suasion. And I think it's going to work. Well, you've been speaking, I would assume, to your stakeholders, to, to, to partners for, for, for a long time. What is, that, what is the message they've given back to you about your strategy? Uh, as you see, um, we have uh, uh, pretty strong demand uh, for cooperation from the private sector. And because working with the uh, MDBs such as ours uh, would ensure uh, that investors would have a very good enabling environment for their investment in member countries. We can facilitate dialogue with the government. And so it's, it's certainly much better uh, for them to work on their own. In some of the countries, particularly uh, those countries which are still in the process of uh, uh, dealing with their debt, of uh, improving their uh, doing business uh, uh, conditions. So we could have a very good selection of the partners uh, in investing in this regard. That is why we can afford to uh, select those partners which are very much committed to climate change mitigation and adaptation. If I look at your figures from uh, cumulative approved investments, 22 billion in 2020, um, significantly up from 2019, on track for another um, record year. Record year, I don't know if that's the right word, record year, um, but uh, certainly the highest ever sort of um, uh, committed amount to, to projects. Do, do you have a plan for where ESG-friendly, private sector-friendly or private sector-adaptable projects are most likely to be based, or, or, or if there's specific sectors in which they're likely to be based, including, for example, infrastructure? We, we have already uh, started to work with the uh, investors who are ESG-based and very much committed to that. And given our experience, I, I would say we, we could uh, expect a very, very good uh, uh, cooperation for a number of investment projects in this regard. And just to come back to the private sector um, capital, where do you expect that 50% share of private sector financing in your actual approved financing, very much along the EBRD lines of, of operation or the IFC lines of operation? I assume you, you would say you have your own sort of way of operating and you, sh and you do. Um, but where will that private sector financing come from? We have worked with the private sector 
companies to invest in ESG-related you know, operations uh, companies and operations. And uh, I think one of the one of the areas which we can uh, continue to to develop our operations in the in the uh, capital market. And uh, as you see, uh, the Sustainable Capital Market Initiative (SCMI), I would offer us very good opportunities of working with uh, uh, the private companies. So, uh, I think developing our business uh, in the capital market and uh, promote uh, the financial investors to pay attention to climate change and uh, ESG uh, would bring about very good results. As you may know, we have already. Uh, had some very good uh, operations in this regard. As you may know, we work with the, uh, Aberdeen uh, in uh, ARIB uh, Asia ESG Enhanced Credit Managed Portfolio. And this is a $500 million uh, operation, which is doing very well. And also we have uh, the Asia Climate Bond Portfolio with Amundi. Uh, this, uh, this project is targeting an emerging market corporate debt and also the, the Bayfront uh, uh, infrastructure management, uh, debut issuance of the infrastructure asset-backed securities. Now, all these kind of things indicate that we have a broad space to work with the private sector companies, ESG-based, and uh, focus very much on climate change financing. Would you say you're now a, a leader in ESG? I prefer to say we are proactive in, in uh, ESG, in promoting ESG-relevant uh, infrastructure financing. And uh, uh, probably uh, whether we are leader or not is not left for us to decide. And about, I think we, we are working uh, in close collaboration with other uh, multilateral event banks. But I'm, I'm sure that we would continue to do a lot in this regard. Uh, what will it take to become a global leader? As a new development bank, as you see, our artist agreement um, provides us with a very broad scope for infrastructure uh, financing, uh, financing infrastructure and other productive sectors. Uh, our bank is, uh, the, with regard to the focus of this bank, it's a little bit different. We directly get involved in infrastructure investment, paving the path of sustainable development. And that is why we uh, can do quite a lot. For instance, in the capital market kind of investments, uh, we are less uh, constrained uh, by the uh, Arctic Agreement in investing in this regard. So that is the advantage. And uh, I know uh, we uh, probably accept an international finance corporation, IFC, uh, our bank can uh, is really uh, doing more in this regard, given our uh, mandate. You're not really so much of a new multilateral development bank anymore. You've, you've got a few years behind you now, um, but you are still young in um, compared to other Bretton Woods institutions, for example, or the ADB and others. Um, however, um, you know what? Over the past year since you last met up and had your conference. What has mainly changed? I mean, obviously, the last two years has been dominated by COVID. What else have you done internally to move the AIIB forward? Uh, I would say uh, from day one, we adhere to the basic principles and our mandate. This has not changed, even uh, if we spend a lot of you know, efforts on uh, dealing with the uh, COVID-19 last year. But you see, uh, we, this actually can help us uh, really 
workout uh, program of supporting our client members moving forward. Because as you see, we invest in infrastructure and other productive sectors. We believe healthcare is a very important uh, productive sector. As I said, only a healthy nation could be productive. But perhaps at the very beginning, uh, it may not be everybody's uh, view that uh, this bank, which is supposed to be mandated to invest in infrastructure, should move into the health sector. But now I think COVID-19 helped our stakeholders, shareholders to understand that while we develop infrastructure for tomorrow, we should not neglect healthcare system, which is very much important. What is what is necessary is for us to strike a proper balance between physical infrastructure uh, defined in a traditional manner and health uh, system. So uh, the past year, even though we did a lot uh, to deal with the COVID-19, as you may know, we invested $10.3 billion for 42 COVID-19 related projects covering 24 countries. It's a huge amount of money. But this is necessary for us to be going back to the normal mainstream infrastructure business as soon as possible. And also, uh, over the last uh, six years, we, based on our experience, we would like to see how we can invest for tomorrow, infrastructure for tomorrow in a way which will be different from the traditional manner. For instance, COVID-19 has created problems for us to travel. And this has pushed us to use modern technology and to monitor the supervision implementation of projects through the IT technology. And uh, this can uh, save the costs dramatically without compromising the quality of the implementation of our projects. So in the future, I think uh, we need to look at the way, how can we invest in infrastructure, implement these projects by focusing more on impact on climate and environment, and also how can we help uh, these uh, member countries to improve the quality of their, their investment without too many boots on the ground all of the times. So the last uh, year actually is a is a very important period for us to have a stock taking of our investment experience in dealing with new situations. Will we return to business as usual after COVID? I mean, we, you're talking there about a return to relative normality, but what will life be like after COVID, do you think, for yourselves, for your clients, for your partners, uh, and for the world? And what, what primarily will have changed? We stand ready to go back to normal infrastructure investments uh, as soon as possible. But this is also a function of the readiness of the uh, client members, given their uh, COVID-19 situations, pandemic situations in their country. Uh, so far, we have to deal with the disruptions in pipeline preparation because uh, the governments are very much uh, uh, bogged down in dealing with the COVID-19 with little efforts to prepare uh, new infrastructure projects. But at the same time, we have a pretty strong pipeline of infrastructure projects. And uh, I think uh, 2023, uh, we can uh, probably uh, increase the regular infrastructure uh, projects uh, quite substantially uh, without uh, 
stopping uh, financing vaccine purchase, for instance, for some of the countries. But next year would be the year of transition. And I expect by 2024, I think probably uh, we would be back in normal. Your pipeline of, of projects, uh, Mr. Jin, you, uh, which really excite you? I'm excited about all of the projects we, we, we have financed. I'm proud of all of them. And this is a great credit to the management team uh, who worked in unison. This is a great credit to our staff. I can assure you, you know, our staff really worked very, very hard in spite of the tough, you know, situations. Some of them were stuck here for, for almost two years without any uh, possibility of visiting their relatives even though in case of bereavement and they could not sit uh, with the, uh, at the best side of their parents. So it's, it's very much, uh, I would say, tough and uh, tormenting. And as uh, president of this bank, I, I'm deeply impressed by our staff. Uh, against this background, you see we have a very good uh, 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 lending program First of all, uh, the uh, lending program for COVID-19 uh, has really helped our 24 members who received the support to drastically reduce the, the, the uh, contagion and, uh, and save lots of lots of lives. So this is something I'm very much proud of. On the other hand, uh, for the, as I said, the capital market development operations, which would promote ESG, companies uh, are also very much encouraging. Uh, the the uh, SCMI projects I referred to, I think are very much encouraging and it's uh, it represents the creativeness and uh, innovativeness of our, our staff working in the uh, financial uh, capital market. Uh, this is uh, uh, this and the traditional infrastructure uh, investment direct infrastructure event can reinforce each other. And it can also help us to reach out to smaller infrastructure operations, which may not be very good cost-effective for us to do on our own. So I attach importance to this kind of operations because this can help uh, some of developing countries in Asia to develop their capital markets and to help us reach out to the uh, small and medium-sized companies uh, and uh, I think uh, uh, the impact on climate change mitigation and adaptation would be certainly greatly enhanced with our uh, broad-based uh, 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 financial instrument. What makes the AIIB different from other multilateral development banks? COVID-19 pandemic is something which certainly we did not expect. But from the very beginning, uh, we designed this bank uh, with a view to the uh, need of the development uh, in, the, in, in the future. So uh, while this bank remains in the gene pool of the multilateral development banks, MDBs, we, we really are a little bit different. And I think uh, we stand uh, or we have stood a test uh, of the uh, challenge and we demonstrated our agility, adaptability, and a quick response to the situations and we rose to the uh, uh, occasion when we are called upon. So uh, that's why we are very much uh, encouraged and we are, we are further convinced uh, of the 
wisdom of the founding fathers of this institution to prepare uh, the bank uh, along these lines. Overall, uh, certainly we, we share a lot of similarities, particularly with regard to the mandate for development. And even though we do not focus on poverty reduction as, as the overarching objective, uh, we do promote poverty reduction through broad-based economic uh, and social development. So in this regard, uh, we are the same. And we also share, uh, we, are, we are on the same level of environmental social standards, the ESF framework worked out uh, by all this bank. Uh, uh, it's, it's very much important. Otherwise, we cannot hope to work with uh, uh, other multilateral development banks. Uh, but there are something which is set this bank apart from the traditional ones. First of all, we can, we can learn from their experience in designing this kind of a bank. As you say, we promote the basic uh, core value of being lean, clean, and green. We think it's important for us to be cost-effective, to avoid the redundancy, and in my term, we call it, uh, we, we should avoid institutional obesity because cost-effectiveness is very, very important. Certainly, we have zero tolerance for corruption, and we want to make sure that the uh, financing, uh, each and every dollar would go to the right uh, destination. And uh, agility, because we are, we are young, we are new, and we don't have the historical package. And it's easier for us to, uh, to design our organizational structure, which can help us to be very nimble. For instance, uh, we don't have the resident board, which account for more than 20% of the direct costs, to say nothing of the indirect ones. Our board works like the board of the private sector, and they focus very much on the policies and strategies. Even though our board still approve projects, but we are designing uh, the accountability framework in which the management would be held accountable and more and more projects would be approved by the president directly. This can be uh, uh, very efficient and uh, this also helps with the uh, demarcation between the divisional responsibility of the board and, and, and the management. I think this is very much important. And secondly, we are more inclusive. As you know, even though the bank focuses on the investment in Asia, we, our artist agreement stipulates that we can invest in non-regional members. We have 103 uh, members and, uh, and we would have more. But uh, these uh, countries uh, are from Africa, Latin America, and other regions. So we are, as a regional bank, we're different from them because we invest in regional and non-regional members. And we are we're certainly very much inclusive. Uh, most of those uh, institutions will not recruit uh, professionals whose, uh, whose uh, countries are not members. We recruit all of the professionals across the world. That's why we have the Americans, we have the Japanese, and, and the nationals of other countries who work in our institution and even take some very important positions. And with regard to the investment contracts, and we practice international competitive bidding, excluding no countries, so that we can get uh, the best of the contract. 
highest quality, highest possible quality of equipment and service at the lowest financial costs. And just one final thing, uh, Mr. President, you've got the um, COP26 is coming up. Do you have, I don't know, is, there, is this the right question? Do you have hopes for it? What are your hopes? I, um, I think the COP26 is just a couple of days away. It will follow immediately after our annual meeting starting from today. And the whole world has high expectations in COP26. Um, my view is compared to uh, six years ago when the Paris, line, Paris Agreement was just, you know, entered into, the international awareness of the, the risk of climate changes has never been so enhanced and a commitment, or I would say a joint commitment, concerted efforts of all these countries on dealing with climate change has never been so manifest. So this is very good news. And from the perspective of the uh, multilateral development banks, we as a whole are going to uh, declare uh, to the uh, conference what we plan to do as a group and individually. So I think this COP26 will be really, in my view, would be a milestone. It's, it's going to be a landmark in terms of the international commitment to implementing uh, the Paris Agreement. So I, I think it's going to be a great event. Well, that about wraps up our conversation with Jin Lee-Chun. We thank the AIB president for taking the time to talk to us. It was, as it always is with Mr. Jin, an informative, wide-ranging discussion. It can be hard sometimes to believe the multilateral bank he runs was formed only five years ago. It feels older, and that's testimony to the way it's run. Lean, clean and green, as the president describes it. A sleek, slimline, world-class operation fit for the 21st century. Mm-hmm.